I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. I'm your host, journalist, author, researcher of all things weird, Aaron Sagers. You can catch me on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Paranormal Caught on Camera, but you can also catch me as it happens. I appear on the new series, 28 Days Haunted, currently streaming on Netflix. Now, this show, it's a first for many reasons. It's the very first paranormal investigative series on Netflix. It's And the concept is really unprecedented on its own. The question is, what happens when you place three teams of paranormal investigators in three separate locations for a period of 28 days? It's The theory is that the paranormal activity will cre- increase, as will the potential of communicating with spirits. And as you can imagine, tensions amongst personalities emerge and things get complicated, maybe even dark in nature. Now, I had a rather unique perspective on this show because myself, along with Tony Spera, the co-director of the New England Society for Psychical Research, We were operating from the all-seeing control room. We were watching the feeds from all of the locations. I was brought in as a paranormal journalist and a researcher, and I also felt like I got to know these investigators who are joining us now. And even if you saw the show, I feel like it's a good time for you to get to know them uh, as well. And to discuss this series, we're going to bring them in. We're going to bring in the investigators And I want to hear from you guys. I want to get your questions out there and get your feedback. It's, you know, ask anything you want to ask and we'll throw it out there. So it's going to take me a second to bring all of these folks in because there is a lot of them. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring in our team from Captain Grant N. First off, we have Aaron Thompson. He is in the chat. We have Nick Simons, and we have Sean Austin. Hey, guys. And next up, I'm going to bring in the team from Madison Dry Goods. Of course, we have the dynamic duo of Jeremy Leonard, the Cajun demonologist himself, and also Brandy Miller. And... Now we have the Lumber Baron in team. We have Ray Causey. We have Amy. Hey there, Amy Parks. And also we have Mr. Shane Pittman. And I'm going to place myself in the middle of this queue. I feel like this is the spooky Brady Bunch uh, that we have here for anybody that's watching. And I am keeping an eye on those chats as well for anyone that is watching this live. Of course, this will also be posted as a Talking Strange podcast episode. All right, so let's get to it. I kind of want to, first off, it's just nice to have all of you guys gathered together. This is a a real treat, and I appreciate you guys being here. I appreciate your time. And I also just want to begin by congratulating each of you on being involved in this series that is a first. It's, you know, there's been a lot of paranormal TV shows out there, and the fact that we have this now moving outside of some of the standard networks 
breaking through on Netflix. That's a big deal. It's a very huge deal. It charted globally in the top 10 in the U.S. Uh, and globally in the first week. And even within the first three days, it's 13 million hours of this show was streamed. So I think each of you should be very pleased and proud of this accomplishment. So let's begin. I want to know, and people probably have this question, about what you really knew about this concept heading into this job, into this 28-day job, because the show does mention Ed and Lorraine Warren in this 28-day cycle, but what were you aware of heading into this? And you know what? I'm going to start from... Captain Grant, Sean, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, well, yeah, obviously we knew that we'd have to stay in a place for 28 days, um, not knowing where the heck you're going to end up. And, um, you know, for me personally, I kind of, kind of came onto this, uh, last minute project, uh, <laughs> was really abrupt, like a lightning strike out of sky, <laughs> out of the sky. Um, so it was a lot to absorb a lot to, you know, realize what I was about to be walking into. Um, so I just, you know, jumped head first into it. I've done a lot of investigations, uh, that are long. I've done seven days a week. I've stayed in haunted locations for a week at a time that are some of the darkest haunted places considered in America, but this is a different animal. Uh, you're talking isolation, no connection to the outside world. Um, and just living, breathing and being a part of the spirit world. And as if you're one of those spirits that are earthbound on the property that you end up becoming knowns to um in that process yeah uh and jeremy do you want to weigh in of course jeremy leonard you know you've done a lot of tv investigations in the past heading into this what were you aware of this concept the only thing i knew that i was going to be paired up with a psychic medium and we were going to be in an extremely haunted location um even the plane flight to north carolina we had no idea where we were going um i met brandy at the hotel and uh you know i spent what literally a day or two getting to know her so it, it was definitely a first usually whenever you film a show us period over three months and you're right there with the film crew you get to go home or go to a hotel rather and uh get away from everything but this is definitely was different for me yeah uh, amy why don't you add to that as well i mean entering into this world did it concern you at all that maybe you didn't know a whole lot about what you were really getting yourself into no i really didn't know what i was getting myself into uh energy wise of course but um yeah i i really didn't know i just knew that we were going to have no access to the outside world we were going to be at a very haunted location um i wasn't even sure which state we were going to be in so i was just you know i showed up and i met you know, Shane and Ray, and we went right to it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you did. And uh, a quick programming note: I've been uh, I, I've been reminded that it's not just Aaron Thompson; it's Aaron G. Thompson. There's emphasis on G that has to that has to happen. And uh, and and actually, Aaron, let me throw it to you, and and Nick, you can weigh in on this as well. You guys had investigated before as a team prior to joining the the captain grant location did you amongst yourselves think okay what where are we going what is this location did you trade notes about what you might actually know about where you're where you were headed well i you know speaking on on uh my behalf we knew three days really what state we were going going to so we got the plane ticket you know three days before we were shipped out 
And um, early on, I actually said, I said to someone, I don't know who it was, um, if it was Nick or, or I guess I didn't know Sean at the time, but um, I said Connecticut. I feel like we're going to go to Connecticut because the other two areas, um, in some aspect, I feel would be more spiritual. So it would be more of a spiritual team that would be associated with those two. Connecticut seems like your, you know, your, your traditional ghost hunting spot. Mm-hmm. And that's really what they were trying to kind of put us, put us uh, um, at as your ghost hunters amped up type scenario. So, I mean, I, I had my, my guess and, you know, I, I, uh, I nailed it. So maybe if I could join the psychic team now. Another psychic uh, entering entering the chat, I guess. Yeah. Yes, uh, Nick. Um, yeah, uh, like Aaron said, all we knew was we were going to Connecticut, and uh, you know, with that, you have time of sitting in the Minneapolis airport, and you start googling, "Man, I wonder where we're gonna go." And it's like maybe we'll go to Norwich or something like that. And it turns out Norwich is just down the street from Captain Grant's where we were at. So I mean, I was close, huh? <laughs> All right. Not bad. All right. Everybody's a psychic now. Uh, Brandy, were you, were you aware of the Ed and Lorraine Warren connection at all? Um, the only thing that I knew was obviously it was the study of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, and it was sustain a location for 28 days. I didn't know where we were going besides North Carolina. That, that was all I know. I didn't know around what area or anything. I knew that we would be, um, basically no communication with the outside world, no phone, no TV, no nothing. I mean, we didn't even have a clock. So we didn't really even know how to really tell. I mean, we couldn't tell time or anything. I mean, we were just stuck in our heads and looking at daylight, nighttime, just to tell time. And um, the only thing that I really knew is that I was going to be working with a demonologist. And that's something that I've never done before. And um we, I talked to Jeremy a couple of days prior just to get to know him a little bit more because, like I said, I've never worked with one before, so I didn't know how it would work. And I've never stayed in a haunted location before either. I never would. Um, that was just one of my fears. So um, basically, yeah, it was it was a big step. Yeah. Uh, Shane, let me throw it to you because, of course, coming off of two seasons of The Holzer Files, you had been to a lot of locations that were known for haunted activity but you'd never really stayed there and you certainly weren't away from your family your kids for such a long period of time no no hesitation whatsoever going into this uh or was it more excitement heading into it well it was a little bit of both i mean there was hesitation and excitement uh the biggest thing for me was not being able to communicate with my family um that's a big deal because I have four kids and a wife at home and not being able to communicate with them at all. It was a pretty big deal for me. Um, so I was really nervous about that. We didn't really know much other than the, uh, we were going to be in a haunted location, just like everybody else said. And, um, we knew the city and the state had no clue which location we were going to. Um, even after we had gotten there and we uh, stepped foot on the property, I still didn't know of the Lumber Baron Inn. I had, I had no clue. We know a lot of different haunted locations across the country, but that was one that never hit my radar. So it was exciting to be there. And of course, I've worked with Ray before, and it was exciting to work with Amy, meeting her for the first time and working with her. Um, so yeah, it was a really interesting experience for sure. 
Yeah, I have to say about the Lumber Baron Inn, you know, I've been to Denver many times and I'm I'm familiar with the with the history and with the building itself. But even I, I have to say, like, if you had just dropped me in the middle of Denver in front of the Lumber Baron Inn, I, maybe it would have come to me. But I don't know that it's not necessarily as iconic visually as, let's say, the Stanley Hotel as far as well-known haunted locations. So it probably would have taken me a minute to uh, catch up to that as well. Uh, Aaron, did you have a statement? Yeah, yeah, I did want to add our only specific job the producers told us to do, because mind you, as everyone said, uh, we knew nothing going in. And they said, just investigate every day, every night, analyze and investigate. That was our only uh, job. And if you think about that paranormal or that investigative hangover after one or a couple of nights of hitting it pretty hard, you just think about doing it for 28 days. Man. Yeah. And, and that's something that I am, people ask me questions about and, you know, having seen a lot of the feed of all of you collectively, people are like, uh, you know, how much were they actually investigating? And I think it is worth noting to my knowledge. Yeah. There was no dictate as far as what times you investigated. It was just, you had to do it every day and you had to get out there every day so as a team i guess you also had to kind of gather together to decide when you were going to to do it and ray i want to i want to hear from you for a minute you know speaking of this sort of the requirements heading into it and anyone else can kind of weigh in did you have any I, and look, I'll even say people online, they say certainly these were not these guys' ideas, these experiments and whatnot. These must have been handed over to them. Ray, was that the case or were you generating what the what experiments you wanted to do? Well, you know, from from me and Shane, we've investigated together so many times that what you don't see on camera is me and him would sit around for hours on end and say, hey, you know, maybe we should try this and, you know, hey, maybe we should try that and you know, there was a few times that I got kind of irritated with him because I'm like, you know, you can call it this or you can do it this way. It's just the same thing because you run out of things to do after a while. So you're just you're twisting things and, you know, let's try it another way. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're left to our own devices there. It was basically just get in there, find out what you can and, and hope for the best. So, I mean, we were we were stuck with what we had and uh, we just kind of made best made the best with what we what we had available. I think from the outside, Shane, it would make sense for a viewer to say, okay, certainly they're not going to just have a sensory deprivation tank lying around. Was this something that, was this no. your idea or was this yeah, just yeah, a little this bit was, of? This was, that was something I brought up even before we flew to our locations. They were asking us different methods that we were wanting to try. And that was something that I brought up uh, even before uh, it was set in stone that we were going to be a part of this thing. Uh, so, uh, production took note of it and they got, uh, the tank and all that stuff. So yeah, we didn't send people out to go get it. It was one of those things where, uh, we had talked about it even before we landed in Colorado and just a small note here. I know how to say Estes method. I have an accent. So when I say Estes, it's just because I'm from Georgia. So please bear with me. I know how to say the right pronunciation <laughs> with all that. How, so how dare you, Shane? I, I know. <laughs> good Lord. I feel like, yeah, poor Shane. The hashtag poor Shane has gotten a lot of flack, not because he was sent into the darkest places, but because 
There's so many people. Yes, the Estes method, uh, and I'll call it out. It it was originated in Estes Park, Colorado, the Stanley Hotel. Uh, the people that developed it were Carl Pfeiffer, Connor Randall, and Michelle Tate. And it's a fairly recent uh, kind of introduction into the paranormal investigative uh, field. It taps into things that had previously been experienced as far as trying to remove certain senses to communicate. But poor Shane, yes, he knows how to say Estes. And it's, it's just how I talk. His Georgian talk. accent comes off as Estes. And uh, so, sorry, I, 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 you know, I, I'm cutting you a little slack on that one. Anyone else want to kind of weigh in on, on yeah. that and the experiments that were being used and what you were kind of addicted to? Jeremy unmute okay so for for me as a demonologist i pretty much investigate on a spiritual level i don't really use a whole lot of tech and what was great being with brandy was she investigates from a psychic comedian standpoint so basically the only tools that we really had was the basics such as the k2 meters spirit box and so on the only one tool that i wanted was the guide helmet because i used it on ghost of morgan city and it was such an awesome experience well Kind of find out on 28 days it didn't work out so well. That's what led me to having a heart attack uh, during filming. But we just pretty much took what the location gave us. When we got there, the first thing we realized there was a funeral home. So the thought pops in my in my mind, hey, let's put Brandy in a box. And you know, we just kind of went from there and just we took what it gave us. That was using the the coffin as a trigger object. Uh, definitely, it's something that it, we see in other investigations. But Brandy, with that, I mean, you went for it. That had to be a pretty harrowing experience. Honestly, when he had mentioned it to me, it was just like my nerves were shot instantly because, like I said, I I normally myself so guarded from negative energies i don't like to really step out of the zone like that on a normal day basis when i'm investigating i've never done it before um but i knew coming here doing the studies i had to step out of my comfort zone i had to step out of my norm because as psychic mediums we will never learn how to come across other energies that come at us if we don't take those steps so i knew to get further evidence I would have to step out of the box and communicate more deeper with my abilities in that way. I I think this is a good time to transition to a topic because Jeremy, I'm familiar with your work and uh, we see, it seems like you come in pretty hot on 28 days haunted. And right. there's a lot of like, there's a big energy happening. And also I'll, I'll be frank. I've seen some people say, well, he comes in and he's, he's, pushing brandy to go do this thing she doesn't want to do but brandy just said that she needed she said i knew i needed to step out of that comfort zone so why don't we address that right there jeremy were do you feel like you were pushing her to do something she didn't want to do did you feel like you were maybe coming in a little too hot on brandy or what well, absolutely not. I would never, ever ask Brandy to do anything that was outside of her comfort zone. She knows that. She can vouch for that. I, it was a simple um, idea that I had, and I asked her how she would feel about it. And she even said that it's outside of her comfort zone, but she would be willing to do it. Brandy? As as, oh, sorry, Jeremy. Me, 
uh, as far as me coming in hot, okay, so as a demonologist, we learned that when we go on a case, it's all about having the spiritual authority, okay? So you have to have complete control of the environment. Okay, that is what a demonologist does when he goes into a haunted location. And in the beginning, that is exactly what I did. I went in with the, the projection of spiritual authority over whatever was there. Now, with that being said, what, whenever I would do it, Brandy would be the target because at that point in time, I was still headstrong. So it couldn't attack me, so it would attack her to get me to stop doing what I was doing. And, you know, for a little while, it's plan ended up working because it got to the point to where Brandy would be attacked. And she came to me and she says, Jeremy, in order for me to stay here, you're going to have to stop doing spiritual warfare. And I agreed not to do it. Now, I knew by me basically laying down my sword that I would become a target. But look, I've been in the field for over 13 years and I've worked some really high profile cases and I knew I know the signs of oppression and I thought that I would be able to fight them. Well, what happens is when you cannot separate yourself from that energy, energy feeds off of itself and it draws in. And I don't care how powerful you are, how knowledgeable you are, the longer you stay in that environment, it constantly pounces on you and the weaker you're going to get, which gives it that much of a grip on you. So it was. Yeah. Brandy, do you want to respond to that? I mean, did you feel like at all that Jeremy was pushing you too hard? Honestly, I really don't. I mean, like I said before, I want to say our first day, um, me and Jeremy had a very strong understanding that we are teammates. We are a team, no matter what. I mean, even though demonologists really don't work like psychic mediums, we, we have religious beliefs, but they're different. Um, we do work differently and on, on some in some ways. Um, but I had to give my teammate faith and trust within my energy as well as he did with mine. I He had a trust in me and I had a trust in him and that's what I did. I knew that if I stepped out of my comfort zone, he has me, he's got me. And that's what he did. Honestly, I mean, even on the down points where me and him were just drained to the max, he always still had my back. He always still protected me. He stopped when I told him to stop. Um, he, he's never really pushed me to do something that I didn't want to do, but I really, I just did anything because I did it for me too. You know what I mean? As, as my abilities in a psychic medium, I need to push myself and challenge myself. Right. I, I want to throw this next one to Amy, because of course, everyone that watched the show saw that there was interpersonal conflict. It happened with every team, honestly. And it was kind of strange from my perspective because things seemed to be people are kind of like started to clash with one another at about that same time in the process. It was really fascinating to watch that things were building with every team at about the same time. But Amy, for you, from your perspective, and, and of course I want to hear from Ray and Shane on this as well, talk a little bit about that conflict and how you reflect back on it now. Do you feel that, Ultimately, you guys were able to find a common ground. Do you feel like you're treated unfairly? Respond to this. Um, I mean, during the time, I was pretty heated. I think we all kind of were frustrated because it was at a point in time where we kind of felt like things were stagnant and we kind of felt like, you know, we weren't getting anywhere. So, and at the time, 
there was, you know, moments where I just, I think I didn't want to, I was okay with pushing myself and I was okay with them doing that. But there was just certain things, you know, even before, you know, we did all that, we had discussed about, you know, respecting each other's boundaries. So that was just like, there was that one thing, but I mean, I was having issues with my energy. Like I was very, like for probably like the first week, I literally woke up every day and I struggled and it was a struggle. So I think on their, you know, the way that they looked at it is they needed me to be that, you know, I was, that was the missing link. Like if they were trying to do all these things, then they needed me to do that. So I had said that I would, you know, try to meet them somewhere when that's whenever I did the candle scrying. So yeah. that was something we could try. But I mean, like, I think at the time, like, I think we were just really upset and we were all just so like drained, but we were also frustrated <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. But I mean, I really, you know, we've talked about it. There is, you know, me, Shane or Ray, we have no beef at all. That was just something that was shown in the show. And yes, it did happen, but that's not something that we all, you know, we have no animosity towards one another. Yeah. Shane and uh, Ray, do you want to weigh on this? Shane first? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like Amy was saying too, uh, we were a team first and foremost, right? Um, for about a week or so, uh, Amy was saying her energy was being drained. Something was blocking her in this location. That's a lot of what people don't see on the show because of time restraints. Uh, but she, her energy was being drained. So whenever we would have conversations, it would be like, well, Amy, uh, what can we do so that way we can push forward? Uh, do you feel safe doing this? Um, it was conversations that we would have. But like Amy said, uh, at the end of the day, we're a team. We we got together. We did what we had to do. Um, a, another thing that that people didn't see is because <laughs> the internet, you know, you're gonna get the good and the bad, and you'll you'll have people say, "Oh, Shane and Ray were bullies, or they didn't do anything." But again, you didn't see all of the stuff that was cut out of the hours of footage. Uh, I, I remember Ray, I would push Ray and say, hey, man, um, I need you to go in that tunnel. And he went solo. I, I know Amy remembers this. He went solo in the tunnel. And we left him in there doing an Estes method or Estes method. <laughs> Sorry. Don't don't catch me in this. Do not clip that that part of the footage. OK, Estes method. Um, I'm screen recording it. <laughs> and I, you know, we sent him in the tunnel for, uh, it was over 45 minutes and he was alone. And like, he didn't know that we'd left him, but he was in there. We left him. And, and so a lot of people didn't get to see it all. A lot of people think it was a bullying scenario, but what it really boiled down to is it was all of us were trying to get to that next step. We had done so many experiments over and over and over again. And we were like, well, what's something new that we can try to get past this hurdle? Because this hurdle, it was a big hurdle. Like, what can we do that's a little bit different that can get us to more answers into what's going on? Yeah, my my insight on this is that having seen a lot of footage that didn't make it into the show and watching all of y'all, uh, Shane and Ray, even though they came in this as buddies and uh, fellow investigators, 
right away. These two were like bickering like an old married couple. There, there's a clip. I think they were setting up an Estes method, and they're discussing how to do it. And I forget which one. It was like, yeah, I know how to do this. Well, I know. Well, you're not doing it right. And I'm like, whoa, okay, guys. Like, maybe it's time for, uh, you know, just cut off the investigation and go hit the early bird special at Denny's. It was. <laughs> so let me tell, let me, let me just cut you off right there. So uh, if y'all. If y'all thought that we had arguments with Amy, we didn't. That was that one thing that you saw. Me and Ray constantly were at each other's throats. I remember one time he was trying to make these nasty pork chops that <laughs> had spots all in it. And I was like, dude, I will not eat these pork chops. You're cooking it. These are way too old. And he said, look, a little brown in the pigment is fine. Oh. It's fine. And uh, so he got pissed off. And what happened, Ray? What'd you do uh, after I said I wouldn't need it? Look, first of all, the pork chops were fine. It was like, cook them today or throw them out, right? So I was like, well, I'll cook them today because, you know, we got this finite amount of resources at the time. So I'm trying to make do with what we got. But spoiled Hollywood Shane Pittman over here is like, oh, no, the meat's too brown. I can't eat it, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I, I cooked almost every night for 28 days i made dinner for everybody i made breakfast i made every meal for everybody when they when they wanted it so he's gonna say you do complain i what'd you do I to threw, the pork chops what'd you I do threw them away oh yeah I, you did you got mad and threw them away i, I can i can speak <laughs> to the fact that these guys well yes ray was sort of the designated chef of that group and also yeah. they would get grocery drops about once a week, and then that was pretty much the the only communication. A PA would drop off uh, the groceries, and you could pretty much request anything you wanted. Uh, Ray, real quickly, I just want to get your perspective. I want to move to Captain Grant's after that. But, Ray, do you feel like looking back, did it kind of alter the way that maybe you want to communicate with your fellow investigators when you're running up against a wall a little bit, because let's face it, you took a little bit of, you've taken some heat online about the, you know, the communication with you and Amy. Has it, has it impacted you at all? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I took a little bit of heat. I've uh, been called some, some wonderful names over the past couple of weeks. It's been, it's been riveting, but yeah, I mean, I, I look back on it and I, I do kind of feel like maybe I was a little more agitated than I would have been any other given any other situation. But like I've tried to explain to a few people, they're seeing it after 75 minutes of, of airtime on television. For us, it was like 22,000 minutes after we had gotten to this location. And, you know, when you're doing these experiments over and over again and you're getting the same things over and over again and you're just beating a dead horse, it's like you, you, you feel like at some point you've got you've to gotta get over that hurdle. And, and you know, yeah, I, I understand that, you know, maybe I came off a little bit abrasive with, with Amy. But, I mean, at the same time, there was several times when everyone would cut an experiment short because something was going on. It happened in the first episode with both of them. When, when Shane got uncomfortable during his Estes method, we cut it off right then. The same thing with Amy. We cut it off as soon as she started seeing eyes and, you know, something was forming behind the uh, blindfold. So we that first night we kind of set like a, a, an initial boundary where we all knew that was as far as we can go. And then from there we just kind of were like, all right, well, 
that if, if that's as far as we're going every night, we may not get to the next the next step. We may not get any more information. So with me and Shane, especially, he knows that I'm going to push him a little bit harder. And and as soon as I met Amy, I knew that she was she was going to be a great teammate. And and we just kind of I guess it was it was a, a misunderstanding realistically because I mean she knew we weren't going to put her in any real danger. We we the whole time we were there, we kept we kept asking her about her energy levels. We were concerned with her the whole time. And that conversation that you saw us have in episode four, a lot of a lot of the rest of that conversation was, you know, we're concerned for you because your energy is being drained constantly. We don't want you to leave here not the same as you came as far as health-wise. We're not going to let you leave here and, and be just physically sick or, you know, emotionally exhausted. We want to make sure that the same Amy Parks that was here day one is here day 28. So it may yeah. have came off as abrasive, but at the end of the day, our number one concern was always with each other's safety and health. Yeah, and, and just to speak on that just real quickly before we move on, uh, if anybody watches the first night, the first episode, uh, like whenever uh, our, my teammate pulled me out, whenever I was feeling sick, right? I wasn't feeling good. I was pulled out. When Amy wanted to stop the Estes method, whenever she was seeing the eyes and the blindfold, um, you know, to the ones that are calling names, saying bully, we didn't force her. We were like, okay, we completely understand. We're just glad. Are you okay? We, we, that was how it was every experiment we did. So again, that disagreement that we had, ultimately, it was one of those things where we were just trying to go over a hurdle, like I said. I do I do feel like it's necessary to get Amy's response to that as well. Um, Amy, do you want to react to what the guys are saying? Do you agree with what they're saying or have a different perspective? Um, to be honest, I really was having a hard time hearing a lot of that because it was all jumbled. <laughs> nope. I'm like, I don't know if this is my, my device or not, but I'm sorry. Can you reiterate? Yeah, they just said that they were willing to uh, essentially back you up and call off a certain experiments if it was going too far for you and then ray said he wanted to emphasize that the amy that came into the investigation was the physically healthy and uh together amy that left the investigation as well is that right i mean if you notice on one of the episodes whenever i yelled for them they both immediately jumped like if there i never had a question that if anything was ever wrong um that they wouldn't have my back because I mean, Ray was the first one who jumped up the stairs. So, you know, that was, that's something that I, I don't disagree with. So I definitely know that they would have my back and I know what they showed is it, it can get a lot of people going, but there was so much more. And when I say this, and I mean this in every aspect, I mean, just between the teams, the evidence, there was just so much more to this than what they were able to show. And so, you know, we all worked really hard and especially for us being the sensitives and psychics and that it was the energy levels of being in a place like that is unbelievable. It's, it's like I've never, anything I've ever experienced before. Well, I want to, and I want to get to the kind of the, the logistics of the actual locations because I mentioned Ray was cooking and I'm also familiar that uh, Madison Dry Goods, those, those poor guys didn't even have a kitchen. But before we get to that, I do, I want to get to Captain Grant. You know, there was certainly, there were some clashes there as well and I think it's worth addressing, you know, between, you know, Sean, you found these letters on your mirror and there was a clash between you and Nick and then, 
Aaron, you and Nick have a long-term, uh, you know, investigative partnership, and there were some clashes there. I don't know. Maybe Nick is the the, the connective tissue of all this stuff. But uh, but Sean, I, I want you to kind of speak to this a little bit about the dynamics of your team going in, and also how they ended up. I mean, you know, I obviously it's going to be a little rough riding if I end up in a house with two people that are considered uh, skeptics. Um, so I kind of knew as we started to progress through the days that something like that could arise like that. Um, and when that whole thing did happen, I mean, again, just to, you know, even speak to what Amy said, there's just so much more that uh, happened that people just don't see. Um, you know, when, when I came out of the shower and saw that on my mirror, I was just looking at it. And I think I've told you on another podcast, uh, Aaron, because this is something similar that happened to me over a decade ago, um, where I had a very, um, you know, lucid dream experience where I walked out of my bedroom in my old apartment and walked into the bedroom, uh, the bathroom, and looked up in a dark bathroom. And this thing face planted my face on the mirror. And as soon as my face hit the mirror, my my body and my bed went to sleep paralysis, and I couldn't move. And I heard this very animalistic, creepy voice just say, "I see you," like in my mind woke up with the chills and then about two two three weeks later i had a shaving mirror in my shower at the time i was washing off and i watched it as it appeared i s e e with a big u on the bottom so when this was actually happening in the bathroom i came out of the shower i i thought to myself is like is this something having to do with that same spirit you know i did i do and did believe that there was a portal on the property and my experience when you have a portal on the property you start to have references from spirits from all sorts of locations and entity entities that you've had experiences with uh over the years and a lot of that was happening and you know it takes our paranormal investigations off into so many different tangents um you know we were going into everyone we were doing experiments every single day and like we were going into all sorts of the layers of of the history and, and things that people have actually added and as a matter of fact i found out later that the room that i was sleeping in there was actually a couple all goffed out dressed in black that uh, when they checked out they uh, actually left voodoo dolls of the employees of the inn and had some strange writing in that same on that same mirror. So that kind of adds to the mystique and the, the mysterious nature of what that ha- with what happened with the mirror. And I, I don't know what to say about it, but, you know, obviously these guys, you know, have a more skeptical approach. And, um, you know, Nick assumed that I did that. I and and let me say, like, as far as skepticism goes, I'm always someone that says skepticism is a good thing. I think it's good to uh, be in to investigate and have some skepticism. I'm not really a fan of cynicism, which is non-belief. I think you have to be open minded and also be able to debunk the things you can. But it can also and also like, let's face it, the show is called 28 Days Haunted as a show. It's approaching things from a belief perspective. We're entering into these locations saying these are notable locations known to be haunted and now we're going to test this experiment that said uh nick i do want you to address this a little bit you know reflecting back do you feel do do you feel warranted in how you kind of approach things with sean do you wish you had handled it a little bit differently and kind of how how are things now well you know um Way back when, my dad, he uh, he told me when I was getting out of high school, he goes, you know, you're looking into moving out now, and uh, if I can offer you one piece of advice, never, ever, ever rent a house with your buddies. <laughs> and you get to see that on the show, that, you know, pretty much the three of us and Camp DeGrants start to turn on each other over time, and 
it was like that for everybody in every location. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we all blew up in one way or another. Yeah. The, you know, I mean, I'm going to press you a little bit. <laughs> What's your thought about the mirror now? Yeah, it's so long ago. Just whatever. yeah. Okay, Aaron. Uh, did you? You know, I, something we didn't really see in the final product, and it's something that I saw. Is it? It seemed like you guys, you and Nick, needed to take a little bit of a buddy break at the end of this investigation, and and. Where are we now? Are you are you guys cool with each other? Are you investigating again? What's the status of things? You, you know, we just needed more uh, more underwear push-ups together so we can kind of really sweat it out. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think that uh, uh, that no, you, you know the the uh, interesting build-up here was like, yeah, it's true. No, um, and, you know, the underwear was CG, by the way, guys. No, I'm kidding. So, uh, gosh, where am I going? I don't the, know, the, how, but I'm going to let I, you I, get there. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited. I had no clue uh, where the end game is, but no. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, there's a lot that was hey, left on hey, the table. Hey, I'm, I'm still the Kiss Chicken champion, and don't you forget. Oh, it. my gosh, the most dangerous game. There's no winner. Um, so uh, uh, I am lost. There. Wow. Okay, so... You know, I really thought Tony and I saw everything, uh, but there's some things apparently I'm happy I did not see at these locations. Uh, <laughs> I knew there were no cameras in the bathrooms, so I don't know what was going on. Yeah, someone in the in the chat is saying maybe these are the, the bonus features for 28 Days Haunted. Uh, well, Aaron, I just, I just, Aaron, I just want to say it's just like, you know, obviously my experience of being in these places and also I'm also a demonologist too. Like I do have medium abilities, which is a unique twist for me because, you know, ha having medium abilities, and I'm sure Amy and Brandy can relate to is like you are your own piece of equipment. And, you know, living in, in these types of places, you're an antenna and you're constantly picking up, you know, communication and feelings as if you're the, this device that's on 24 seven. Um, and then having that experience on the demonology element and knowing what the, the negative entities type to do, try to do uh, in a, a, as a whole and seeing that progression. And, and I, you know, I tried to you know, explain that to the guys and obviously they're skeptical and stuff is that I, I know what they do in these intelligent negative entities that were with us in the property. Um, they knew exactly the experiment we were doing. They knew we were stuck in the property. So we were kind of just like uh, dark chess moves for this thing as it just kind of manipulated us one by one from the shadows and try to just build and ampl amplify some of our negative emotions, whatever it may be. And that's why some of these arguments and, uh, you know, things might have, you know, been at a factor at play. Um, but you know, that's just, it's how it goes. And that's, I was, I was just trying to keep my, my cool. And I got to even say just too, like within the first week, I was just like eating food. I was being lazy. And like, I realized like how draining this was and especially being insensitive to spirits that I just started getting up in the morning and I just started lucky for us. And I feel bad for Brandy and, and uh, <laughs> Jeremy that they didn't have a yard. Like yeah. we had a beautiful big backyard. Um, and I just started getting up and just doing like laps around the backyard, push-ups and jumping jacks. Like, you know, I was trying to, to stay mentally fit because I mean, as each day started to go further and further into the cycle of the 28 days, and I'd say about the third week is when it really started. 
Um, and I'm sure everyone can relate. It's just like you do every combination possible to investigating and, you know, even whatever it may be. I, I almost felt like I was slurring my words as I just even if I had eight hours of sleep, when we started to investigate this, just it was like almost like if you got drunk from tequila the night before and got sick and then you you, you end up having to drink the night before. And this that first drink, you're just like, oh, I can't really take a sip. It's just it was like gnawing uh, to just even engage the spirits because. I've been saying, and even when we did, uh, you know, this pet, Jeremy and I did this event when so many people are coming up asking about the show. It's just like, I'm sure Ed came up with the theory uh, about the 28 days. In his mind, it was more of like a family living in that environment for 28 days. But we were engaging, communicating, investigating spirits seven days a week. When we were awake, it was all the time. You know, yeah. when, when we're sleeping, I mean, I would just raise my hand when things were happening, whispers in my ear. I mean, spirits are standing in my room. I would just yell it out because I'm being woken up and no, no, because we had cameras on us while we're sleeping. There was so much more that happened and so many more different lines of stories that happened with the spirits that we would be engaging in and the, the past that it would be taking us, the backyard, the cemeteries and stuff, because there's so many different layers of the history. And it's just it's a whirlwind of stuff. And to see, um, you know, obviously consolidated, um, you know, what happened with the way they filmed it. Well, I want to, uh, I do want to talk about the locations, but we actually have someone that uh, I want to bring in. You just spoke of being at the Warren uh, Seekers of the Supernatural uh, Paracon. And look, we have Tony Sparrow with us right here. Hey, hey, how are you, man? hey Tony. Can you hear me? We can. Hear Thanks you, for joining, Tony. Yeah, well, and I just, I just want to say I just woke up from the Paracon. I'm so, so tired. <laughs> Yeah. Tony, Tony just had a multi multiple day event, uh, and a couple of you guys were there. And Tony, thanks for for popping in. And and you know something that I I wanted to talk about. I mean, first off, Tony saw me uh, while you guys were living with one another. Tony got to see me house way too much coffee. There was a breakfast burrito wrapper that ended up making a mess on our control panel. There was, here, hold on, I might have a physical prop here. There's this thing. This is the one of the notebooks, one of the couple of notebooks that I was filling while I was watching all of you guys. The very first note is uh, about Madison Dry Goods, and, um, and it was a brandy note. Uh, but yeah, it was right away. I was filling this thing as I was observing all of you guys and we had that special perspective. Uh, Tony, let me just ask, you know, we talked about this a little bit. What was the time when you started feeling a little bit bad for all these guys out there? Well, I think the first five minutes I, I watched it, <laughs> I tell you, I, uh, I gotta say this, I'm not, I, you know, I know we're running out of, going to run low on time, but I gotta say that to be honest with you, I don't really think I could spend 28 days in how in those locations that these fine people did. They were like extraordinary. I mean, just to spend that kind of time in a, in a location with that kind of energy with people that perhaps you don't even know and to, to make it that full 28 days, to me, that's you guys are heroes to me. I don't think I could do it. I think after three or four days, I'd be like, I'm out of here, guys. I, I can't take it anymore. I don't know yeah. And then the okay. Madison Dry Goods didn't even have any food. Now, for an Italian not to have food, <laughs> like for Jeremy not to have food, and you know what I mean? It's, come on. I mean, I know it was kind of cushy at the Captain Grant's, but 
you know, it's not that cushy when you got to spend time with people and rub elbows and who knows if that, you know, they're not your best bud, perhaps. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole, the whole gig was tough. The whole 28 days was tough. But the one thing I do have to say is that, yeah, guys all performed admirably. I mean, I was very impressed with just about everybody there. Uh, you all did an amazing job, you know. And, and Thank you. I, I, and I want to speak to that a little bit, Tony, because the, uh, oh, we lost your sound. The, well, let me say, as far as the locations, so Lumber Baron Inn, yes, it had, it's an old Victorian mansion that had fallen on some hard times in the, uh, in the 70s, I guess, and then it had been renovated, and it's now this gorgeous mansion. Uh, it, multiple multiple rooms and we also had jacuzzis i think in some of those rooms captain grants a lot of property and they had uh low ceilings a, a game room low ceilings i had no ac guys and low then ceilings. there was there was madison dry goods and these poor guys the other locations had yards they had kitchens Brandy, Jeremy, voice voice your feelings on this. What were you dealing with, and and how did it feel when you were looking at the other locations? Uh, Jeremy first. Well, I had to um, call the producers and say, "Look, man, I I worked with you before. Why would you do this to me, right?" I mean, you put me in the worst location there is, spiritually wise, and then these guys have jacuzzis. Are you serious? <laughs> Do you know, y'all know what me and Brandy lived off of for 28 days? What was pizza, it? Pizza rolls that you put in the microwave <laughs> and cereal. Am I lying, Brandy? We had we had a, a shower that was a makeshift shower that they made, and we literally had five minutes of hot water we had mattresses on the floor. I mean, really? I'd have, to, I'd have to say, like, I like the, I kind of like it like that because it really put me into that feeling of everything all the way around the haunted building, my abilities. I, I like the roughness of it. You know what I mean? So that way I could, I could really say, look, at, I really roughed it out. This is what I really went through. You know what I mean? So, and then, but I think the only thing that was the hardest on me was not being able to step away from the property and, and get grounded and get cleansed and um, just, you know, cleanse my energy from the energies that I'm constantly coming in contact with. I had no escape. And even though you could see me on the other side of that window on that sidewalk, that's the furthest that we could go. And that still wasn't enough for me because I'm still on the property. You know, and she spent a lot of time out there. I did. I really did. Look, I'm not going to lie to you, Aaron, especially what Brandy, probably the last four or five days, the entity got so bold to where we could not really investigate. Okay. Um, we would get ran out of there and Brandy would literally sit on that bench outside until the sun came up and I would sit out there with her. I mean, that's, that's how bold it was. I mean, you can hear that thing stomping upstairs. Yeah. I mean, it was coming down the stairs, you know, and, and if, if let me get this straight, how the beds became downstairs the first week and a half, we investigated, we were sleeping upstairs, which is in the funeral part, um, right by the embalming room. 
And prior to knowing any knowledge of this location, I kept seeing blood everywhere. And I was tasting the blood because that's my abilities. That's how, how I work. And then I also kept seeing bodies laying on gurneys in the same room that we're sleeping in. I didn't sleep for three straight days. And then I'm still trying to investigate. I'm still trying to go. And finally, I'm like, I, I can't do this no more unless I move these beds downstairs to my safe haven where I feel a little bit more lighter at. So that's what we end up doing. We end up moving the beds downstairs. Yeah. Someone in the chat says Madison Dry Goods sounds like a deployment. Kudos to you two. And I, I think that, you know, first off, I, I want to get around to the other groups, but I do want to stay on this just another moment. Jeremy, both Jeremy and Brandy, something I've heard from some folks, I've, I've received some letters or emails, not letters, who sends letters anymore, but I received some emails and some social media posts saying like, shame on you for connecting these tragic deaths at at uh, Madison Dry Goods or that were connected to Madison Dry Goods. Shame on you for associating this demonic entity and, and going the way of reality TV uh, with the demon stuff, going going straight dark on that. No. And look, let's and let's face it. Let's face it. You know, there is sometimes the go to with with paranormal reality TV is to introduce the demon because it's it's sexy entertainment. Right. Right. But I want to hear your guys's response to that because I feel like you have a perspective. Uh, Brandy, why don't you start? I want to say with that is, I mean, of course, you got to remember everybody out there is seeing other investigative TV shows. This one is a whole different scenario. This was 100% legit, real. We were thrown in there. I mean, we investigated from the moment we walked in. We didn't know anything that was going on, no nothing. And whenever I would try to connect to any energies in this building, there was this dark negative energy that was non-human form to me. It, it, it just kept blocking me and it would not let me into the human energies for me to be able to connect with them. You know, and in my opinion is, is you have to, there's always good with the bad when you're connecting with energies. Okay, that's all there is to it. You're not going to just always just connect with positive and, and or just negative. You're going to deal with some or the other. And in order for me to go with the good and try to help this family and figure out what's going on and why they're still there, I had to get through that bad. I had to figure out what's going on with this negative energy so I can help this, you know, this family in a positive way to try to kind of get them separated. And it, it was difficult. It was hard. It, it's it's not like we intend to just make it negative right off the bat. That negative was there from the get, stopping this family from communicating. Yeah, and and Jeremy, I want your perspective on this. But before you before you weigh in, Jeremy, I have to say because you you said it earlier in the talk that you know during the during the course of production, we did not say that you had a heart attack. We uh mentioned health issues but you did say it in the course of this this chat so i want you to weigh in on all of this stuff man um and and quite honestly i guess the other question i have for you is it, it seemed to suggest throughout the course of the show that you were possessed so do you think you were and based on that last shot are you still would you even know so jeremy give us give us the whole uh info dump on that 
Well, I'll give you, I'll answer your last question first. I was never possessed. I was being oppressed, which is the second stage of a demonic haunting. That means the entity was heavenly influencing me, okay? So demons don't just automatically go to possession. It's a long, drawn-out process. So at the, during the stage of, of oppression, the entity is manipulating you. It's affecting your behavior. What it's trying to do is isolate you and break your will so that you have no will left. And that is when possession will occur. Okay. So I was being oppressed. And, you know, I guess with people saying, oh, they automatically jump to the whole demon, demon um, portrayal. See, that goes with your viewers not knowing our backgrounds. Anybody who has ever followed my work knows that the number one thing I preach is you always go into a location trying to prove that it is not demonic rather than proving that it is. Because if you go in wanting to find a demon, guess what? You're going to see things to convince yourself that it is. We always go in and try to prove that it is not. Okay? So, y'all seen me being oppressed on television. I have 13 years experience. I have worked a lot of high profile cases, okay? I knew what was happening, but I couldn't stop it. I'm sorry to say this, but an earthbound spirit cannot do that. It has to draw energy from something. Demonic entities are pure spiritual beings. They do not have to draw energy from nothing. Okay, so that's very important. And look, as far as dragging the family's, you know, horrific situation into the story, look, we were put there. We didn't ask to be put there. We only came up with what we found through Brandy's mediumship work and, you know, the different experiments that we've done. We didn't know this family. We didn't know the whole story between the Lawson family. We found that out through our 28 days there. Okay, so you have to think, though, this is still a funeral parlor, okay? So there is a lot of spiritual energy that goes through there. Energy never dies. It just transforms itself from one state to another, which you would have heard me say on the show. There's positive energy and negative energy, okay? And negative energy will be drawn into places that has existing negative energy. Think of it as a buffet, right? So negative energy is naturally drawn to negative energy. Positive energy is naturally drawn to positive energy. So with the tragic death that happened at the Lawson family, the way that it did, you know, I mean, it is what it is. That negative energy, of course, is going to attract something of a negative nature to that location. I mean, that that's just fact. So did we go and make up anything of the demonic narrative? No, I surely wish it wouldn't have been. I would have been great to stay at Captain Grant's location where they had beds and, and all of these things. But look, this thing here did not want a secret to be known. And it definitely did not want it to become public. And it done everything that it could to make sure that that happened. As, as you said, Aaron, y'all seen me have a heart attack on television okay when i got rushed to the hospital i had a minor heart attack right then and there okay that's not tv that's not scripted that is real life and if you would have seen by me putting on that god helmet i was able to tap into psychic abilities which would have given me a visual of seeing like what brandy was seeing but whatever was there did not want that to happen
And that is when my, my heart started beating 90, 90 to nothing. And we cut that experiment short. I ran downstairs. I told Brandy to fill my heart. She said I was cold. So guess what? We called for the producers and I went to the hospital. I've even heard people say that that's all fake, that they just brought us to the hospital and then brought us back. No, I'm telling you right now, I will put my reputation on the line and tell you all of that is 100% legit. I spent 13 hours in that hospital getting test after test after test. And they couldn't find, they, so what it was, it was a college walk-in clinic and they didn't have a lot of, they didn't have an EKG machine, which why they didn't have that is beyond me. But I showed all the symptoms of a heart attack, but they could not diagnose it right then and there. When I got home, three days later, after I got home, guess what? I had a massive heart attack. The show says nothing about that. Yeah. I, and and thank you, Jeremy, for responding to that because I know it's it's a tough question, but I appreciate you going on record and saying that. And I also know we're about to wind down. We're about to lose some folks. Aaron, I know you got to go. The uh, Tony, did you just want to respond briefly to that? Yeah, I just I just you know I just keep getting I'm going in and out here, but but, Jer- but Jeremy, I think did a fine job. They all did a fine job. Yeah, I, uh, hard work all around. I. And I think we just lost your audio feed, Tony. Aaron, if the, I can say something too, like uh, please. From, my, from my experience too, and uh, you know, I sympathize for Jeremy, and obviously because you know, Jeremy being a demonologist, I'm sure that location was probably prevy uh, and chosen for that reason because there could be something potentially that dark in that location. And uh, when he put the God helmet on, and since they were there so long. Uh, you know, Jeremy's the number one enemy is because he has a history of helping people and helping spirits. So that's kind of like what was my worry, too. Um, you know, if there's things that are happening in the house or if these guys have different methods than I do, that if something happens and something opens up, they're going to come to me and manipulate other people in the house to come after me. And, you know, when he put that helmet on, it, that, that evil entity may have taken advantage of that to cause that connection to him. Yeah, Jeremy, you want to respond to that briefly? Yeah. So, you know, I want people to, if you look, watch the series again and pay attention to detail and let me, you know, because a lot of people says, well, if you're a demonologist, how could you let this happen? How could you not recognize what was going on? So let's back up in the beginning. I went in with authority, headstrong. I would do spiritual warfare prayers. Brandy would be attacked. So Brandy came to me and said, Jeremy, I need you to stop. So think about what I did. I basically laid down my sword. So now the entity says, hmm, now I'm going to go for him because he's the major threat. Okay. So basically my job was to be a normal investigator, which was basically to be what Brandy's bodyguard to protect her because I did not have psychic abilities. I need her to find the answers, but I still needed to protect her. So I done what I thought was right. I took the blow for Brandy because I thought bands that I would know the signs of oppression that I would be able to stop it. Now, like they said before, we could not leave. I mean, we couldn't even walk across the street. We literally had a bench in front of the store. So I was not able to separate myself from the energy like I would on a regular case to be able to get my head back strong. Look, I don't care how powerful you are. When you stay in an environment like that, it pounces on you and pounces on you. I knew what was happening, okay? I knew exactly what was happening, but it was manipulating me to believe otherwise. Yeah. 
I thank you again, Jeremy. I, what, what I want to do is we're about to lose Aaron, and I want to wrap this up anyhow. But I would like to kind of go around and just get a sense of what do you think? Here's a three-parter for you. Oh, and we just lost Aaron. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I, I guess we lost him anyhow. All right. Well, I want to go around and just find out what would you, what do you wish audiences had seen? Second part is what would you do differently? And uh, I guess finally, like, would you do it again? How, you know, or, or if you want to say how it changed you. But uh, Jeremy, why don't you start? We're getting some audio interference here. But Jeremy, just briefly, why don't you start? Uh, what do you wish audiences had seen? You kind of touched on that. Uh, you know, what would you do differently? And then would you do it again? Well, I just wish audience would really understand what it was that I'd done when I confronted the entity, because that's something you should never do, is confront an entity like that. But I had to find a way to get back control from the entity because I knew I was going to do an exorcism on the location later, which they did not show. And I wish they really would have shown. And I'm going to tell you guys, ask Brandy, I sat and prayed for about three hours before I confronted it because I was terrified. I was scared. I'm not going to lie to you, but I knew I had to do it. But if there is something to be learned from all of this, it's no matter how bad things are, you always have to fight. You have to fight to free yourself. You can never let anything hold you back. Um, would I do anything different? No, because at that, at that point, my job was to protect a fellow human being, and that's what I'd done. Okay. I took the blow so that she would not have to experience it. And look, everything always works out in the end. I, there, I was on the verge of possession, but it did not happen. Um, would I do it again? You know, immediately after the show, I said, I don't care if they paid me a million dollars. I would never put myself in that situation again. But looking back, I learned a lot about my experiences, and it's helped me relate to cases that I take on now from a client's point of view. Um, would I do it again? I definitely wouldn't do it again if I'm in a location like Madison, but I'm never going to say never. Right. Okay. And Jeremy, just real quickly, how can people follow you and support your work? Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Jeremy Leonard, the Cajun Demonologist, same name under Instagram and Twitter. I also have a podcast called Jeremy Leonard, the Cajun Demonologist podcast. You can get it where, wherever you get your podcast at. And I uh, have not been a guest on it yet, so uh, we need to make that happen, Jeremy. Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron G. Thompson, since you got to run, what, uh, what do you wish people had seen and how did it change you? Would you do it again? This experience was fantastic because, yeah, I, I would do it again, of course. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, go negotiations uh, on that end because it wasn't the most simple project to do, right? So it's not just as easy as saying, sure, yes or no, you know, layers. Um, what I feel like the audience may have missed, of course, through the presentation, is that first night that we were at Captain Grant's was wild. It was raining outside. It was the first and only time that it was like raining, I would almost say storm-related. Uh, so then not only do we got the water running around the house, first night in it, we're using the uh, electromagnetic static or the static generator to, to amp up you know, the location even more. And 
you see me in my moment of burst, you know, uh, when I get upset with Nick, I, I say, Hey, let's get two guys outside. One guy in here. Well, that's what we did. The first night we did souls in the house that first night on my end, it was, it was explosive. We got a lot of data that unfortunately wasn't seen. Um, a lot of visual data through our, through our uh, tools. And there was a moment that Jeremy's right. When, when you walk into a place, there's two things I always tell folks to do have confidence in action and conviction in word and that's protecting yourself um you're moving in there and you're the authority so i did this but i wasn't sure of the whole game board when i say game board i mean the location that we were at and that was a learning scenario that i had to come in contact with when i was upstairs uh, in the attic doing my solo um the tools all of them went off around me i noticed it and then all of a sudden i got this tight tight static feeling around me. I remember looking at the camera and I just described this very uncomfortable feeling. I want to get out of here. Um, I don't like it. Then all of a sudden the, the tools lit up again and it was gone. Well, throughout the next couple of weeks, uh, Sean and, and Nick and both probably, uh, you know, back this up. I was starting to seclude, you know, to isolate myself and I was getting more and more frustrated, quiet, upset. Um, and that, that moment that you saw with uh, Nick and I, that was within the uh, category of, of me getting oppressed. There was something on me that I felt. Um, I'm sure Jeremy and I had something uh, similar, at least reaction-wise. And uh, Sean stepped up, and, and we called a whole exorcism uh, scenario that was very visual, very um, unique. And with me, uh, I, I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily a skeptic, but, you know, I, I like to take the data one piece at a time and build it up, right? That's what I think we're always doing. So, yes, it's a paranormal, it's a really goofy world, um, but this was a real real situation, and it had a real contrast upon completion. And it was sad that that wasn't illustrated um, in you know the buildup. But, yeah, there, there was some real heavy stuff uh, that was kind of left, left on just the cutting to, Just to add to that little part there is that I that was one of the things that I would have thought – and would have loved to be on the show is because if, if I stand correct, you're an atheist. You don't believe in God, but you believe in a higher something, right? Uh, I say spiritualist. I don't know what to label myself. Uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, we're so, all mortals, but yeah, there's something more it, than systematic. It, interesting enough is that one, the, the night when the mirror thing happens, that the two of them were looking in the mirror. They were paying attention to the mirror, and Nick actually said he saw himself form into a baby, and it creeped him out. And then Aaron actually saw a witch figure in the in the mirror. And it really, that's when I, you know, cause I had actually mentioned that there was a witch like spirit slithering around us from outside. And then that's when he sat down and I was looking at him and I even had to ask Nick cause he did not look right. And I was just like, yo, Nick, have you ever seen your friend like this before? I was getting real and pissed Nick, at you too. I remember. <laughs> yeah. And then Nick was like, I've never seen him look like this before. I'm like, dude, you're right. Do you want to need to take a break? And he's like, uh, let's, let's take a break and get some water. I'm like, all right, let's, let's do that. And he's like, no, how about some holy water? So I literally ran and went upstairs and grabbed holy water and put it on his forehead and said a prayer over him. Without and hesitation. Then, without, right after that, I mean, he explained that he felt this heaviness that was on his shoulders for days. He was being oppressed and depressed and it was leading up and building up and in, in what he saw in the mirror that night. So that would have been something really profound for me to think to be on the show as well is because you're talking about someone who's an atheist and he's talking, he's raving about holy water and how he felt the heaviness come off his shoulder. That's profound. Yeah. Well, uh, Aaron, just finally, how can people support you? Keep up with you. Um, I uh, hooked up all my social sites to the same to make it nice and easy. You just go to, uh, at, 
uh, at tis t i s me Aaron G G G E E. So at tis me Aaron G. And um, I know my face folks really been exploding after the show, which is super cool. I'm humbled. I'm honored that this uh, exposure has has really came to all of us. I think this is going to lead to a lot of good things. I got a lot of research, you know, to do. I think we all do in uh, in this world, and and I don't know about the rest of the talent, but it's definitely uh, put me in a very very good direction where I can definitely uh, focus on the passion I've been doing this for at this point, 23 years. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, first off, quick request, uh, Shane or Ray, can you text Amy and resend that link? She got booted from the stream. She's trying to get back on. And I want to hear from Sean as far as something else you wish you had seen or you kind of spoke to that. But uh, would you do it again? And how did it change you? And then how can people support you? Well, I just wanted to throw out there because there really was the most beautiful emotional parent experience I had ever had. And you see part of that in the show and how emotional I got. And it's literally because I co-wrote a song with um, Mercy Adelaide Grant uh, from that property. And you didn't get to see that. And I have evidence that she knew about this song and then why I got so emotional. And I have um, that evidence and I'm filming a music video this weekend um, to dedicate to that. So I'm going to tell a story in a little show the evidence with the music video. So I'm really excited to show that extension of how truly profound and emotional that connection I have with her on the property. Um, yeah. So social media, most of my handles, pretty much the same thing. Sean D Austin on most of my social media. Great. Thank you, Sean. Nick, uh, do it again. How did it change you? What do you wish people had seen? How could people follow, follow you? Uh, yeah, I'd do it again. It was a pretty good time. Um, what do I wish people had seen? I wish they would have saw there was a night we were trying to contact the uh, spirit of Liam, who was a uh, a uh, gay gentleman, reportedly. And um, the voice come across the spirit box and said, Aaron is attractive. And I think that would have just blown the whole show out of the water right there, especially for Aaron. And um, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing about it. Um uh, I think the next time around, if there is next time around, maybe we get a little longer edits instead of a uh, six 30 minute episodes. It was kind of like watching moonshiners on fast forward. That's it for Connecticut. Now we go to Tim and tickle down in North Carolina. Oh, wow. They're having a scary time. You know, I mean, there's not a whole lot of time to really tell the stories of each individual location. And, uh, because the, all three of the spots had such a great story to tell, um, and uh, all my socials are pretty much the same right now at Big Nick Simons because I'm as big as a door. Come and find me. And uh, and thank you, Nick. And Aaron, I know you've got a bounce. Thanks for sticking around. I want to hear from the rest of you folks as well. Amy, uh, thank you for coming back in. And the question that I was leaving everyone with to wrap things up is just overall, what do you wish people had seen, the audience had seen that maybe they didn't? And how did this change you? Would you do it again? How can people follow you and support your work? Um, uh, there was a few things I wish they would have seen. Um, I wish they would have seen the altar that was in my room. We did a lot of investigating in uh, the Valentine room, which was my room of where I slept. Uh, there was an altar that was put in there. I don't think really anybody knew about that for quite some time. Um, there was some other uh, information that I picked up on. Uh, literally, I was being pulled to the back, and we were standing over top of the passageway down to in the basement of that long corridor that we were in. And I had picked up on that. Um, 
Um, I mean, there was some things there was, I feel like there was a lot of evidence that we got and I feel like if they would have had more time, I'm sure they would have put it in. But I feel like that would have kept people on their like the edge of their seats and they would have been glued the entire time. So um, for me, that was like something I wish. Um, would I do it again? Yeah, I probably would. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's it's a little tough emotionally and mentally and physically. And um you know, I don't think I would change anything. For me, it was an entire, it was just a really, it was it was a different learning experience, but I really enjoyed doing what I did and I would definitely do it again. That's and, wild. Yeah, socials um, are same as you see there at Ames underscore I underscore Amy or AIM22. Uh, my Facebook is under Amy Lynn. And uh, I think on my Instagram, it's just using the dots instead of the underscore. So that's where you can find me. It's wild how all of you are saying you would do it again. I love, I love to hear it. I'm a little surprised. I'd love to hear it. Uh, <laughs> Ray, you know, wrap it up. Same thing. Would you wish people had seen? Would you do it again? Uh, for me, I guess what I wish people would have seen was me doing anything productive during the entire run of the show because it seems like all of my investigating kind of got cut out i guess because i'm kind of boring when i investigate but uh yeah it'd be cool to not be told that i didn't do anything on the show that would have been kind of fun and um but you're not I, bitter no no not at all no no not not between like the best the best thing that's been said about me in the last two weeks is that i didn't do anything on the show so like that's top tier you know, so I'm kind of happy that people are saying I didn't do anything that's better than some of the other things that I've been told I did on the show. So, yeah, but um, I'd probably do I'd do it again because, you know, I got paid to do nothing for 28 days. So, yeah, absolutely. I'd go back and do it again. It was great. I actually read like 10 books while I was there and, um, you know, got to be Shane's personal chef and his punching bag for when he was mad. And I mean, great. Ray, I got to say, you're not helping your case when you're saying people are saying you didn't do anything on the show. And then you say, oh, I was reading 10 books while I was there. I wasn't like. Well, you have to understand, though, it's like I never I never changed like my like my schedule. So like I was getting up at like 7, 8 a.m. every morning and Shane and Amy were sleeping in till you know, noon. So like I had five hours alone. So I'd make myself a little breakfast and sit down and you know curl up with a good book outside and just kind of relax until they got up and then we would you know really start the day so i was doing like 18 hour days while we were there uh amy amy has something to add to that yes i do want to add that everybody ray is an excellent cook by the way <laughs> <laughs> see well that is an important part of the team right you did that yeah exactly. i had to keep them i had to keep them well fed so that way they could really you know continue the investigation and, and just kind of pull me along the finish line, you know? And, uh, well, I do, I do want to add real quick. Ray did, Ray actually did the mirror scrying. So he actually was that, and I think that was the first time, was that the first time you'd ever done that? I'm not sure. Yeah. I had never done it, but I didn't even know what it was to be honest. Like I, I had heard of it, but like, I didn't know how to do it or how to like focus and do it. Cause I mean, it was never something that was like in my wheelhouse. So yeah, you guys right. had to actually describe to me, what I was supposed to do. I'd seen it done, but I didn't know what to actually do. So. See and in the, in the private chat, Nick is suggesting you pitch the diners, drive-ins and dives with, with Ray. It could be driver diners, drive-ins, 
uh, maybe Diane's. Yeah. Di- yeah, there you go. Well, Diane's and dives with with Ray. Me and Shane have actually talked about doing a show where we find all the like really good hole in the wall restaurants around in uh, paranormal locations and tell people, hey, if you're going to investigate this location, go check out this mom and pop diner down the road. You know, it's great. You know, you're not supposed to give the show ideas (laughs) in public. Hey, I'm pretty sure that that based on you know the reaction to me, uh, probably this is probably going to be the last thing I do. So we'll see. But but. Before don't no don't say that and uh, let oh. me before before I throw to Shane I wanna I wanna say to Brandy I was try, trying to text her furiously we lost her in the feed but Brandy said first off you can find her on Brandy Marie Psychic Medium on Facebook and she said she wished she she felt like it would have she wishes they had shown more of the mental and physical toll it took on the investigators. And again, I saw a lot of that. I saw you guys hitting a wall. I saw you guys get worn down. And uh, it was actually really hard to watch. Also, she says that it changed her. This show changed her in a way that she knows she can go further with her abilities to help families and spirits. And yeah, she would do it again, she says. So there you go. And Shane... Tell us how uh, people can find you. I think also, really interestingly, how it changed you and what you wish that people had seen. Yeah, so first off, I wish people would have saw the different dynamics of the team where Amy was trying a lot of things and her energy was being drained and she was being blocked at the same time. The different experiments that she had tried during the course of the 28 days. I wish they would have shown uh, Ray doing the experiments because he like I said he was a trooper and did a lot of the things that they just you know weren't able to show but he really uh, did a lot so I wish they would have shown that Um, how it changed me is it opened me up in a way that you know I've I've never been before having the dreams that I had and uh, the experiences and being able to connect in that way is something that's changed me uh, forever so you know, that's something that I'll, I'll take with me long after the show. And uh, would I do it again? Absolutely. Because I, you know, I, I think that uh, with this newfound thing that's opened up in me, I think uh, it could be a whole different dynamic going forward. So I'd definitely do it again. Yeah. And how can people follow you? Uh, at Starring Shane is basically all of my uh handles on twitter and instagram you can just type in shane Pittman on facebook and find me there as well well and just as a final note i am just really impressed with the work that each of you did and i i was really even though i i didn't necessarily know all of you before this project i feel like i got to know all of you sometimes in a creepy way because i saw footage of you guys sleeping um but the and one of you snores. So the, I, but no, seriously, I'm really impressed by the work each of you did. And something that I think I wish people had seen is again, these were six episodes about 30 to 40 minutes long. And I understand it's TV, but there was a lot of footage that went into this series well over 2000 hours and that's just 28 days times three teams. That doesn't add up all of the cameras that's recording everything. Is 
so much that went into this show. And I don't, I just don't think people can fully grasp the toll it took on you, the amount of uh, work that you guys put into it. So I'm, I, I just want to give you each kudos and finally, you know, let me say that I hope that we get to do this again. We get to come back for another season. The show is 28 Days Haunted. I'm Aaron Sagers. You can hit me up uh, across the board at Aaron Sagers. You can find my links on Linktree, but I'm also on Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place. And the entire first season is currently streaming on Netflix of 28 Days Haunted. And please support all of these these fine people, and we can keep this conversation going. I feel like this was not enough time, but I do appreciate each of your guys' uh, time investment today. Finally, if anyone out there likes this conversation, and gosh, I hope you do, please subscribe and support the Talking Strange uh, live stream show and podcast. And until next time, be kind, stay spooky. And keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content. Okay.